Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft Tapes. Welcome to the Lovecraft Tapes. I am Jeremy, your keeper of arcane lore, and we play Call of Cthulhu, a horror role-playing game based upon the fantastical fiction of H.P. Lovecraft. Your investigators of the unknown are Brian as Jack Whiteside? I don't know what the hell's going on, but those are not my lips. Gabe as Roy Arroyo? You wiped that question mark out of that, goddammit. And Matt as Rocky Arroyo? Oh, not this again. Well, welcome, players. How is everybody doing tonight? Yes. The band, yes. Let's take a quick moment to read some letters from beyond. What do you say? Chris Dustin on Facebook says, Hello, I discovered your podcast about 2.5 to 3 weeks ago, and I just finished episode 79. Amazing. I laughed so hard and enjoyed it. These last few weeks have been very hectic, and your podcast has brought some sort of calmness. Thank you for the wonderful podcast means it's working that wasn't ever my goal and on apple podcasts kinta rotpc says five stars engrossing and fun i love this podcast ever since i found it it's great fun to listen to these folks as a matter of fact this podcast was how i really got into call of cthulhu i've been wanting to run it for a long time and this group helped me figure out a lot of things about how to actually make it happen why didn't you love it before you found it i'm just glad we're contributing to spreading the disease uh, plague at uh, joy of Call of Cthulhu. Who's Joy? Nurse Joy, Pokemon Center. Awful, terrible person. Whoever you leave the Pokemon Hospital says see you again soon. Just a fucking terrible thing to say when you're leaving a hospital. Also on Apple Podcasts, Vladimir37 says, Keeps you on the edge of your seat. Started listening just over a month ago, and this has been my favorite show for my long commutes. The cast do an amazing job at keeping listeners enthralled in their story, waiting to see what happens next with plenty of laughs thrown in as well. I'd like to meet the cast sometime. They sound great. Oh yeah, they sound like really amazing We should people. listen to this podcast, guys. I hear it's awesome. I wonder if they have a Patreon where we can donate money to them. No, probably not yet. That'd be kind of sellout-ish. I don't think they'd do that. The, the bad thing about that cast is it's always plastered. Always. But... We'll intervene. I don't know what you're talking about. I was just fine. Thank you very much. We also need to thank our current supporters on patreon.com slash Lovecraft Tapes. Hey, didn't someone just ask what that I was? I think we have one now. It just happened. We, I just <laughs> initiated it. And we already have supporters, including students at Miskatonic, Bifford, Dom Driver, DW, Eric Sutterberg, Jacob Element, Jeffrey Young, Milka Mix, Rolling Boxcars, Snow, Tadashi Katsuren, and Oystein Bowler. Our professors at Miskatonic include Anthony Imes, Brittany Davis, Brownie Davis, Daniel Caprone, Daniel Hissey, David Winterman, Davinia Von Zerovich, Eric Gordon, Eric Phillips, Eric Miles, Eric Zane, Frank Delventhal, Jeremy Griffith, John Imre, Lobster Johnson, Malambra 57, Manda McCalla, Mitch L., Olda Polkert, Quasix, Sebastian Lasansky, Sha'an, and Wouter Vermeyen. Our investigators of the unknown include Chris Parker, Elizabeth Grieve, and Wayne Stubblefield. Our mystics of the occult include Daniel Ivey and Jordy Rose. Cultists of the starry wisdom include Ravens in the Attic and the De Beard Lobotomist. And all alone, in a hole at the bottom of the sea, is our old one, Zach Harley. Well, before we begin, we need to take a quick commercial break. And now, a word from our sponsor. Bip it, bap it, bop it, whap it, twist it, pop it. The sky's the limit in the exciting new tabletop board game, Switcheroo. You play one of 17 factions competing to control the world. All you gotta do is open a series of mystic portals located in far-off exotic places. Uh-oh. But first you gotta defeat the evil mutant space alien guardians. Bummer, man! Not only that, but one of your tricky opponents could summon an elder god to take you out once and for all. Double bummer! Don't sweat it, bruh. In our reality-breaking co-op mode, a true friend can swap you out of your body into someone else's at the last minute to cheat death and buy some precious time. If they've already earned the exclusive switcheroo coin, that is. There's only one in the box, so keep your fingers crossed. Sure, you're not you anymore, but at least you're still alive. Just hope you don't draw teleport or limbo curse cards from the spell deck. They can slow you down and give one of the other factions a head start to the next portal. Play it cool and try to outwit them with your clever disguises. 
Maybe, just maybe, you'll have a chance to save the world. Game over, man! Switcheroo is fun for the whole family. If that is your family. Grinning. Sinning. Smiling. Behind their plastic teeth. Soon you'll be smiling too. And you'll have HW Games to thank for that. Order. Now. And we're back. Matt, can I borrow $20? Yeah, hold on a second. Hey, Jeremy, can I borrow $20? Gabe, can I borrow 44 payments of $20, please? Oh, hey, Brian, I need your credit card number. Okay, it's right here. The name's a little different. It's Jeremy. Guys, when I think of that product and or service, I think of poppy fields swaying in the sunshine. I think of cool crystalline rivers running down mountainsides. And I think of cats living with dogs in Brooklyn sublets, just trying to make ends meet while the soulless machinery of modern-day capitalism grinds on and on, stripping them of flesh and bone, pulverizing their now-distant dreams of a peaceful universe until even the empty promise of a rainbow bridge cannot quell the sick, uneasy feeling in their guts. The dog smokes and is losing its hair. The cat has diabetes but drinks dollar store soda. Their baby, a dark-furred ferret, rots stillborn in its crib. The flies have laid eggs days ago, and the maggots are hard at work, eager to feed. Outside, in the mean streets, the traffic noises susurrate like an ambient soundtrack everyone is ignoring. But it is getting louder. And it has a great beat that you can dance to. True. And at least it's diet beaties. Mm-hmm. Now, dear investigators, we begin Chapter 9, Leapfrog. Previously on the Lovecraft Tapes. Dan Williams, security officer at Miskatonic University, goes AWOL in a mad quest to locate his presumably dead fiance Samantha Blaine. While researching her notes, he discovers a series of rituals that might reunite him with his beloved Unfortunately, a singular passion leads him to the arms of Dagon cultists, who also want to enact the rituals in order to open a series of portals and bring about the end times. Thankfully, Dan's friends and compatriots and casual acquaintances and total strangers won't let that happen without a fight. FBI agents Jack Whiteside and Roy Arroyo team up with Rocky Arroyo and Declan McDonough, members of a shadowy governmental organization known as The Company. Together, the foursome track Dan to the remote island of Tristan de Cunha, where they ultimately confront a high priest who forces them to play a deadly game. Sadly, the rules are rigged, much like cruel fate. The second portal is opened. Father Dagon's massive talons rise to either side of the investigators from the depths of the volcanic lake, unleashing vigorous, deadly applause, while the island sinks into the ocean. All is lost. Or so it seems. For we must remember, all the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances, and one man in his time plays many parts. Jack, vertigo overwhelms you as you stare into the mirror and grip the sides of the sink. The face that looks back at you is not your own. It is Dan Williams's face. Behind you, him, a figure enters the tent through a flap, briefly letting in blinding sunlight and a wave of heat from outside. You squint in the mirror, trying to distinguish who it might be, but the light is too bright. We've got a problem, the figure says in a familiar voice. Is that Assistant Director Sharon Skinner's voice? You turn to call out her name, but a choking, incomprehensible rasp emerges instead. It feels like your throat is clogged with dust and the memory of lake water. You bend over, coughing violently. After a few seconds, the involuntary spasm subsides, and you look up at her with watering eyes. She returns your gaze with icy scorn, hands on her hips. Come to my tent when you're feeling better, Dan, and try to lay off the booze, okay? This altitude messes with your metabolism. Without awaiting a response, she strides out with an air of imperious disgust. Jack, I'm going to need you to make a sanity roll immediately, please. I needed a 81. I rolled a 29, so it's a hard success. So you won't take any sanity damage, but you find yourself almost ready to punch the mirror. Ooh. What did the mirror ever do to you? You are now looking at your new character sheet. Okay. And this is a blend of you and Dan. Oh, wow. 
You can, for now, just ignore the Gears and Possessions section. We'll get to that later. Everything else should be good. There's one other caveat for you. Okay. And that is, at least for the next 48 hours, you will be taking a penalty dice for any attempts that use strength or dexterity. Okay. So any skills that rely on that. So climb or jump or... So I'm just going to lay back in bed. For 48 hours. <laughs> and do some burpees. And that's simply a matter of you getting used to being in this new body. Nice. Roy, vertigo overwhelms you as you slowly regain consciousness. You are sitting upright, head slumped against your chest, sweat dripping from your drenched hair into your eyes. You try to brush away the sting of saltiness, but find you cannot move your arms. Your shoulders ache. Head rotating on a stiff neck, you gather you are in some sort of mechanical room. Pistons and cylinders move silently on well-oiled crankshafts nearby, powering an immense engine. It stinks of grease in here, which might explain the searing headache. You try to move your arms again and are rewarded with the slightest jingle as the handcuffs encircling your wrists rattle against the steel support pylon at your back. Rocky Vertigo overwhelms you as you slowly regain consciousness. You are lying on a lumpy mattress, which smells moldy. Directly above you is the underside of another mattress, stained yellow in places and torn in others, where the stuffing seeps out. You immediately ascertain you are on a bunk bed, and judging by the slight rocking motion, probably on a boat of significant size. You concentrate, sniff the air. No overwhelming scent of fish, though you do detect the faint whiff of spiced octopus, presumably from the ship's galley. Spanish or Portuguese, most likely. Probably not a fishing trawler, maybe a small tanker or rescue ship? You can feel the hum of machinery just below this room. The strange dizziness passes as you acclimate to your surroundings. You turn your head and scrutinize the tight cabin, taking in the bare-bones desk over which hangs a corkboard and mirror, a chair bolted to the floor, two closed lockers, and a closed weathertight door. Two portholes look out into blackness. So let's go back and start with Jack. What would you like to do, buddy? Freak out? Ah, uh, freak out! I start dancing. I'm going to take it very slow. Uh, look around the room, see if I can uh, place the where I'm at. Obviously, I'm in a tent, but that's as much as I know. More importantly, when. The large tent is a heavy khaki canvas anchored down in six places with large spikes and expertly angled eight-foot poles to provide plenty of headroom. There is a flap at one end, which can be closed with leather straps. The floor is hard-packed beaten earth. Tufts of grass creep in at the edges of the tent where it meets the ground as greenery attempts to share your shade. In the far corner is a comfortable cot with a thin sheet, pillow, and military-grade blanket. Beneath the cot is a duffel bag. On a nightstand next to the cot is a half-empty bottle of J&B. There is no sign of a glass. From outside comes the din of activity. And I'm going to need you to give me a spot hit, please. Yes, sir. I needed a 77. I rolled a 42. I sucked. Sassed it. That's what you see initially? Okay. Go over to the bed, the mattress, and I'm going to pull that duffel bag out and set it up on the cot and uh, unzip it. Zip. You reach underneath the cot, uh, which appears to be sweat-stained, given your FBI training. It looks like probably someone has been here for a couple weeks. Okay. So you reach under, put the duffel bag on top of the cot, unzip it. Inside are very familiar items, all of which belonged to Dan. Okay. All of the items that you see in your gears and possessions are in this bag, with the exception, obviously, of a motorcycle. Brenda. No, it's in there. (laughs) Jumps out. (laughs) So in here you see a wallet, his trusty Zippo, Mm -hmm. keys, and a Ziploc bag of dead things. So I'm going to grab the wallet and just open it up and take a look. And indeed, it does belong to Dan Williams. There is uh, $23 inside. I'm going to pull out uh, one of the dollar bills and look at the year on it. 2004. Walk to the tent flaps and lean to one side and open a flap just a little to see what's what's in that line of sight. It appears to be like a wide open area um, and there's people passing by. People. 
People, people, please. Give me a listen roll, please. I needed a 25. I rolled a 71. I promptly stuck knives in my ears. It's um, just a babble of people out there. So outside, it is sunny and warm, not quite as hot as you expected. There is a salty breeze blowing, and the fresh air makes you feel slightly better. Looking around, you immediately determine you're in some kind of encampment located in a temperate valley. All around, in every direction, are green mountain ranges ringing the area about 400 yards away. Two large lakes are to either side of the camp. Dozens of burly, shirtless, golden-skinned men carry boxes, push carts, and lug overstuffed bags on their way to some undetermined destination, but moving with purpose. A few taller individuals dressed head-to-toe in black, icy blue eyes staring out of a slit in their headpiece, follow the larger groups, uttering orders in what sounds like French? Their tone, however, cannot be mistaken. They are on a strict timeline. Sacre bleu. Several other tents have been erected all around. About a hundred yards away, you see Sharon Skinner standing in front of one that's about twice the size of yours. She is chatting with another swaddled stranger, only his garb is so deep red it's nearly purple. At his waist is a scimitar that glints in the sunshine. Skinner nods vigorously to her visitor, then goes inside. He strides away, muscles rippling beneath the thin veneer of cloth, toward another tent nearby that has a peculiar yellow flag flapping in the wind outside. You also notice a fair number of individuals going in and out of another structure at the far end of camp. Some lounge outside the faded green-blue canvas flaps, drinking, eating, and talking. You can hear distant, muffled laughter coming from within. Yet another tent catches your eye. It is completely black in color, and there are two armed guards posted outside, both of them wearing yellow robes and each brandishing a rifle. All of this visual information is making you a bit dizzy, much like the lightheadedness you felt while ascending Tristan de Kuna. How long ago? And I need another spot hidden from you since you indicated that. And then you're going to have to roll for vexillology to understand that flag. I needed a 77. I rolled a 47. That's also a success. Since you are somewhat familiar with this symbol, you immediately recognize the sigil on the yellow flag, which depicts the Order of Dagon, an eyeball with a D in the center. And that D looks very familiar. Looks like your D, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, tentacle time. You want the D. And we're going to switch back to Roy. No D for you. What's up? Sup, homie. (laughs) You find yourself basically handcuffed to this pole. Start dancing. I was going to say it's an average Tuesday for Roy. (laughs) I'll take a nap. (laughs) Can someone turn on Sports Center? I'll sort of jiggle the uh, handcuffs and be like, hey, uh, yo, anybody there? And as you do so, you hear your voice echo into the larger chamber. All you can see is a red light behind some of this huge machinery. But why don't you go ahead and roll me a D100, please? 40. You, uh... Sort of look around a bit more, squinting, and your eyes do become acclimated somewhat to the darkness. And about 60 feet away, you see a desk which has some glowing, blinking lights on it. They're very dim. Is there anything around me? Can I, like, feel around? Or both my hands handcuffed? Give me a luck roll. And that's just D100. I got a 10. Your hand brushes a jagged, slender piece of metal behind you that's laying on the ground. It's about the length of uh, maybe a pencil or something, but it's a very sharp piece of uh, thin metal. I'll pick the lock on the handcuffs. Go ahead and roll me a D100. 70. (laughs) You feel it enter the keyhole. You just about have it. And then your hand feels strange. You get this weird numbness in your fingers and your grip slips suddenly and you, you feel the piece of slender metal just fall from your grasp and twirl out of your reach now i can't even cut my arm off just break your thumb and slip out just chew it off like a wolf in a trap <laughs> it's not me it's you is that what wolves sound like matt yes <laughs> <laughs> plan b i'm starting to get real nervous so now i'm sweating a lot and i can just slip out dislocate several things to try and slip out unfortunately it was his knee and his elbow it didn't work <laughs> 
Damn it. Wrong ones again. Oops. Is there any way you can get a better look at what's glowing? It's probably some sort of control panel for the machinery. What am I uh, attached to? What are the handcuffs attached to? Your arms are wrapped behind you and handcuffed around a steel pylon. That goes all the way up to the roof. Am I near a wall? Uh, no, you're not. Just go full Hulk and rip the pipe out of the wall and walk away. Can I uh, I'll backwards shimmy up the pylon like I'm in gym class? I feel like I always get hit with the, oh, haha, Gabe's stupid and doesn't know what to do situations. <laughs> Just say I need an adult. Click your heels together three times saying there's no place like home. What's the floor made of? Metal. Just use the stupid cutting torch you have in your pocket. I'll take off my shoe and reveal that I had a hacksaw in there the whole time. Well, it's odd because the shoe doesn't look like anything you'd wear. It's a pump. Looks like almost like military boots of some sort. Wow, I can feel it. I'll sort of like feel around on my hands to see if they're as hairy as they usually are. No, they actually feel quite a bit less hairy, but awful sweaty, like you said. Yeah, and I'm usually only really sweaty, not this sweaty. I'll see if I can feel around in my pockets. Uh, you can't reach your pockets. He wasn't using his hands. <laughs> All right, I'll scream for help again. All right, let's go back to Rocky. So you're in this uh, cabin in the woods. Is there a mirror anywhere in there? There is a uh, cork board and a mirror over the desk. Slowly get up and, you know, hold onto the, the bunk bed for support just to make sure I'm not going to fall over. And I'm going to kind of... I'm going to work my way over to the desk and see if there are, like, any papers or anything on the desk that gives have some sort of identifying mark on them to tell me just where the hell I am. Go ahead and give me a D100, please. I mean, it's going to take a while. You, it's, you live, like, a three-hour drive away from me, Jeremy. I don't <laughs> think giving you the D100 <laughs> is the most efficient way to do this. That's true. But I'll see you in a little bit. Uh, I rolled an 80. As near as you can figure, this is a sailor's cabin, but there's nothing here that uh, tells you anything about where you're at. You are the captain now. Look at me. I am the captain now. The chair is bolted to the floor and the bunk beds uh, that you left um, are chained against one wall. The desk is one of those types that can be folded upwards into the wall if need be and secured. And it looks like there's probably like scraps of what used to be a corner of a photograph pinned to the cork board. Pound my hands on the desk out of frustration and slowly look up at the mirror to see I guess to kind of try and figure out who's looking back at me. So you look into the mirror and you see someone else staring back. John Cena. Dun, 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 dun. It's Jack. And I'm going to go ahead and share with you your new character sheet. And I'm going to need you to make a sanity roll, please. I needed a 71. I rolled an 87. That is a failure. All right. So you are going to take one point of sanity damage as you realize that this is not your body and you feel trapped and before you can stop yourself, you begin clawing madly at your face. It can't get much worse. I was going to say, he's already ugly enough. I mean, I can't. Opening up his scarred face mm. again, and blood trickles down your cheeks. It's economics. You look down at your bloodied hands, and you feel that wave of disgust and alien feeling just go away, and you're just left with dripping fingers. Hmm. So you are going to, for the entirety of the scenario, make a note. Receive a penalty die for any appearance checks. All right. Unfortunately, this whole scenario is one big Miss Universe competition, and I am in a serious <laughs> disadvantage. <laughs> Luckily, I think I can make up for it in the talent portion. Uh, is there anything in the room that I can kind of use to kind of wipe my face and my hands off? Uh, there's nothing really obvious other than maybe the bedding, which looks a little uh, crusty. Uh, you do have those two lockers. Go open up the lockers and see what's inside. You open up the first locker, and inside is a straight razor sitting on the floor which is stained with black, crusted blood. Creepy. Do I have pockets? You're, you're dressed in Jack's clothing, so yeah. All right. I'm going to fold it shut, pick it up, and stick it in one of my pockets just in case. Why don't you go ahead and give me a dexterity check as you basically try to fold this straight razor with its crusty blood mucking up the hinges, and then it quickly releases and snaps closed. And if you fumble, then you will snip yourself. Uh, well, that's not a problem because I needed a 60 and I rolled a 38. Even though your hands don't feel like your own and you, you just feel fumbly, 
uh, you managed to close it and, and put it in your pants pocket. Well, I mean, they don't call me Fumbelina for nothing. Keep it in your pants. Okay, so what's in the other locker? So you open up the next locker, and there is a worn leather satchel inside. You immediately recognize it as Jack's. I'm going to pull the satchel out of the locker, set it down on the bag, and start uh, rifling through it so I can see what he has. In Just his... use your hands. No, don't use your rifle. Right? In your um, gear and possessions uh, are what you find. So a lock blade, uh, his 9mm Glock, 17, three clips, surgical gloves, a flashlight, a torch lighter, hatchet, food, whatever that means, water, a mask, a flare, and some glow sticks. For the rave. Oh, clearly. Don't touch my pacifier. You do have an eerie feeling as you recognize all of these items as you take them out and inventory them and then put them back into the satchel. Swing the satchel over my shoulder and I'm going to head over to the door on the far side and kind of slowly push it open. And uh, it opens up without any issues. It is a uh, hatch like you would find in any interior cabin in a uh, rescue ship. So you undo the latch and open it up into a dark hallway. You look out into the hallway cautiously. The floor is covered in a quarter inch of water, which sloshes back and forth with the rocking of the boat. Every 30 feet or so, a red emergency light bolted to the wall behind a wire cage flickers ominously, like blood pulsing from the ship's belly. Creaks and groans from the hull resound in the passage, lending an eerie ambiance while shadows flit on the walls, as if fellow passengers might be just around the next corner. And that's when you hear someone yelling, And Jack! Is that what they're yelling? And Jack! And Jack, 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 Jack. I'm fully dressed, correct? I don't... You are fully dressed, yes. Okay, just making sure. Do-do-do, walking through the camp. Swinging. It's real breezy in camp today. Just swinging around. Helicopter, that son of a bitch. Okay, so I'm going to fake it till I make it, and I'm going to walk, beeline it right to Skinner, like I know what the hell I'm doing. Gun drawn. Literally walking around with an Etch-A-Sketch that has a gun on it. <laughs> I made this. I made this. So I will go to her tent and knock. Polite. So you stride across the uh, encampment. My eyes are darting, but not my head. I'm watching every movement that everybody's making, correcting myself as needed to get to where I need to go. So as you make your way across the encampment, you're sort of surprised to receive a few smiles and nods from the burly workmen, uh, not from the overseers, who are a bit more staid and look at you with uh, suspicion. The workers, who are just pushing things and carrying things around, a couple of them just sort of nod and smile in your direction. They must have seen my burlesque show. How do you react to that? I keep a stern face, very small nod, and, and stay focused on my destination. So you arrive at uh, Skinner's tent. Uh, assistant director, may I come in? However Dan sounds. <laughs> you hear uh, a noise from inside that's sort of noncommittal. Like, what? Put my arm along one of the flaps and just peel it straight back and over. With me in the opening, looking directly in. May I come in? Well, this tent is bigger than yours, roomy and well-kempt, with a hard-packed earthen floor. An elaborate canopy bed, however, takes the place of the standard cot, with wispy mosquito netting protecting the white linen sheets. There are two nightstands to either side, one of which has a bottle of cognac and two snifters on it, while a large steamer trunk squats at the foot of the bed. Skinner is sitting at a desk that looks rather old, perhaps antique, with indefinable scrollwork and symbolic etchings. She turns and meets your appraising stare. Do you like it, Dan? 19th century. Pristine condition. Belonged to a priestess in Buenos Aires. Cygnus acquired it for me. Knowing the right people gets you the right things, yeah? It's beautiful. Yes, indeed. Now, what is this uh, assistant director? Are you still feeling okay, Dan? I'm just a little out of sorts. Uh, yeah, well, I, I could see that. Uh, the ritual must have taken it out of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm uh, having a, a little bit of a hard time today. Yeah, you, you look pretty bad. Do you think maybe you should knock off the booze? I think this will be the last day that I that I drink, to be honest with you. Ah, uh, that's probably for the best. There aren't many days left, are there? Not many. So how are things coming along with the ritual? I think we're on track. Good, good. I wouldn't want anything to delay us any further. Yeah, we can't have that. Still feeling confident? I feel better. 
I know things didn't go quite as planned on Tristan Dacuna. I think if we focus, our results will will be true. And she sort of looks at you out of the corner of her eye and her brow furrows slightly. I'm going to need you to make a luck roll, please. I needed a 19. I rolled a 50, which is a success, but a failure. So, Dan, you, you don't seem to be yourself today. Anything bothering you? What's on your mind? I think I just need to uh, get a little bit more rest. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been resting for quite some time now. I mean, it's been a couple weeks. Yeah. Maybe we should uh, have uh, someone look at you. What do you think? It couldn't hurt at this point. I pull out the Ziploc bag of dead things and throw it in. Ha-ha! <laughs> 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 Not dead things. And then the other hand, pocket, pocket sand. sand. <laughs> you know, may- maybe we should find someone else to perform the ritual. I can handle it. If you're not feeling up to it. I can handle it. That sounds to me like a persuade or intimidate. Which one's... Or a fast talk. Well, let's see. I'm going to do a persuade. I needed a 40. I rolled a 3. That is an extreme suck. All right, Dan. I'm sorry. I didn't didn't mean to get in your face about this. We just have to make sure that everything goes exceedingly well and according to plan. You know this. I know. It will. We only have three days. Three days and this will all be over. I promise. I'm going to get back to it. Well, before you go, um, or something else. Look, I, I know you're very busy preparing for the ritual, but the perimeter guards picked up someone sniffing around the camp. He claims to be a tourist from Horta, but he had a camera and a handwritten map to our location. Mm. So something else is going on. Before you interrogate the stranger, though, Cygnus wants to see you. Sounds good. Uh, let me know if you need anything, and uh, I'm happy to help. I'll have all the materials ready for you. Don't worry. Thank you. And she turns back to her desk. Do a quick dart around her with my eyeballs and see if I can see anything that can be helpful or useful or give me any information as to what the fuck is going on. I know what's going on, but I want you to tell me so I know that you know. I would like the written scenario to be on the trunk that's squatting by her bed. Go ahead and give me a spot hidden, please. I needed a 77. I rolled an 11. That's another extreme sucks. You find Gabe in the cellar and let him out. So the uh, trunk at the foot of her bed is what appears to be like a travel steamer trunk. So it's rather large. But there is some unusual writing on it. It appears to be some sort of foreign or alien language. It doesn't look like any language you've ever seen. It's almost like a web of lines, of written lines, that converge where the lock is. Etched on the outside, converging on the lock. But you also see something peeking out slightly from the underneath her mattress. Oh, uh. Someone put a dollar here. <laughs> she lost a toofy too. And it's really hard to tell, but it kind of looks like a ball gag. Oh. Kinky. Interesting. Kink shaming is my kink. You're a weirdo, and I point. You're a weirdo. <laughs> I promptly put it on. No. <laughs> what the hell is going on? And then I leave. Let's switch back to Roy. Help! Someone shaved my hands and put boots on me and tracked me down here. And that's when you hear a distant creak of hinges. (laughs) What kind of door is that? It's a very poorly oiled metal door. That's no screen door. If it was a screen door, I would be able to know that I'm in its presence. And we'll go back to Rocky. Rocky, why don't you go ahead and give me a spot hidden, please, as you look into the hallway. I needed a 16. I rolled a 1. That is a critical success. Two things that you uh, immediately spot, because you are, well, you're Rocky Royal. Let's, you know, be honest here. Look, someone left the written scenario book we're playing on that table right there. <laughs> you still have your uh, faculties about you. And uh, you notice that just on the hallway, which extends to the left as you peek out, at the far end where it would tee, there used to be some sort of sign tacked to the wall. Probably was used to indicate different parts of the ship, but it has been removed. But more disturbingly, you see dark droplets of desiccated blood on the walls. So I'm going to fumble through the pack and uh, pull out the flashlight and, and click it on. It is a little weak, 
So the batteries aren't the best? So if I hit it a few times, is it going to fix that? It does seem to get a little bit brighter. So along with the flashlight, I'm going to pull out the Glock. I'm going to slide a clip in, pull back to load it, and I'm going to hand over hand flashlight and gun down the hallway towards the strange noise I heard in the distance. And that strange noise was definitely someone yelling from below. I think they were screaming something about hands, but I'm not quite sure. You move down the hallway to the T, which opens up to a larger area that... Uh, has a what looks to be a staircase going up to another deck, but also a door to the immediate right that is sort of swinging a little bit on the hinges. It's like cracked open. Continue towards the other door. So it's just a few feet from where the junction is. You can see inside. Beyond the door is a metal encased area ringed by a narrow walkway with a waist-high railing that runs around the perimeter. The middle of the room is open air, looking down onto the engine room about 30 feet below. In the red light, pistons move like the innards of a dying giant, still pumping lifeblood through clogged arteries. Just over the railing, in the far corner, is a welded ladder leading down. And you hear another sort of a jingling sound coming from below, sort of metal on metal. So I'm going to kind of slowly creep along the walkway, just kind of sweeping my flashlight down below towards the ladder. And Roy, you see this uh, flashlight beam erupt from above you, panning the floor. Finally. Rocky, you clearly hear Roy down below. Roy, is that you down there? Yeah, it's me, Roy. As far as I know, it's me, Roy. And Roy, you hear Rocky? Come get me out of here, moron. All right. I'm going to rush down the walkway and down the ladder. Roy, you see the flashlight sort of bob and weave as uh, someone comes down the ladder. You can't quite make them out very well. But then they reach the bottom and presumably come toward you. Yep. And walking toward you is uh, Rocky. And Rocky, you see Roy, for some reason, handcuffed to this pylon. Get me out of here. Well, it seems karma truly is a bitch, isn't it? You don't know. Maybe I like this kind of thing. I have half a mind to just leave you here. If I had my phone on... Actually, hold on a second. I'm going to scout through pockets for, for Jack's phone. You only have half a mind, idiot. Why don't you go ahead and give me a luck roll? How's that? Sure about that. I needed a 59 and I rolled a 30. That's a successful luck roll. Yep, you find it. Uh, it's at the very bottom of his satchel. Sack. Uh, here we are. I'm going to unlock the phone and step back for a second to just take a picture. What's the passcode? Make him roll another luck roll. There's actually... It's quite dead. Ha. Oh. It's feeling better, though. Drat. You gonna get me out of here or not? It's, it's, of course, of course. I mean, I have, like, a machete. I'm trying to figure out how we can get him out of the year. Chop his hands off, I guess. Clearly. <laughs> Pick the locks. I got a hatchet. I don't have anything to pick it with. I thought you were Mr. Tough Guy. Just break the chains. You wouldn't happen to have a key to those handcuffs, would you? And you just enjoy sitting there. I accidentally dropped a little metal poker over there. You could probably use it to pick it if you actually think you're good enough. I'm assuming over there is just kind of behind you and... Use your flashlight, guy. I don't got one of those. I'm going to point the flashlight underneath him to see if I can't see any kind of shiny object that might be the piece of metal that he says he dropped. You readily find it. It's just a very thin, narrow pencil length of uh, some sort of like sheet metal that was sheared off of something long ago and left here. It's slightly bent now. Okay. Well, I guess this might be what you're talking about, and it's been quite some time since I've had to do a more devious activity, but uh, give me a second here, and I'm going to try and use the shim to to pick the handcuffs. And remember, you're going to take a penalty dice for this. So far, so good. I needed a 60, and I rolled a 28. Now roll a d10. It's a 6. Damn it. So fucking close. The um, piece of metal snaps off in the handcuffs and slides out. Damn Blast. It's like Dumb and Dumber. I'm going to pull the hatchet out of the bag and say, hold still. You don't need your thumbs. What I want to do is I want to try and like wedge the head of the hatchet in between the pipe and the handcuffs chain to kind of use it as like a lever to maybe pop it somehow. You know, his hands are in there, right? Uh, that sounds like a, a strength check to me. So far, so good. I needed a 70, and I rolled a 32. I just need to hope that I roll... Not that. Now it's a 92, so I failed again. Damn, penalty dice. Yep, and so just for whatever reason, your hands like just slip off the handle of the hatchet. It's almost like you're not controlling your own hands. Wait, hold on. I have an idea. Get, o- get, get Come here. I gotta type. What? Get over here. Right here, by my hands. So what you're gonna want to do, look right into the keyhole where you have that metal shard that snapped off. Look, Take a look right there. You see it? I'd rather not. 
all right, then I'm never getting out of here. Are there any safety goggles around that I can put on before I get close to a piece of metal that might be going near my eye? Oh, just look at it, you baby. Swear to God, if you try and blind me again. I'm not going to, and that'd be payback for what you did to me anyway, so... Yes, well, then we'd be even considering what you tried to do to me back in the 8th grade. Yeah, but you actually blinded me. That's different. So, just take a look at it. And I'm gonna go back and look at the the handcuffs. And I'll slap him. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, I believe uh, Rocky said something about looking for safety glasses or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, you cast around the room with your flashlight, and uh, clearly this is the engine room, but you get the eerie feeling that it's running on its own. Where you might expect an engineer to be sitting is just an empty station, manuals and logs put away neatly, an empty coffee cup seemingly stuck in place by a ring of dark liquid, a pencil rolling back and forth across the desk, a chair swiveling in rhythm to the water's swells, and a series of nonsensical blinking lights all showing green. Hold still and don't try anything stupid. And I'm going to search his pockets. They're empty. Go, oh, hey, 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 big brain. There's a desk over there. Go check it out and look for some controls. You think there's just a button in the desk that says release handcuffs, do you? No, but there might be a light switch over there, big guy. I'm going to take my flashlight over to the desk and search. See if I can't find maybe the keys or something that I can use. Go ahead and give me a spot hidden. I needed a 60, I rolled a 39. That's a success. So you're looking around the, the desk and, and, you know, there's these, uh, a bunch of switches and with lots and lots of just rows of green lights blinking uh, faintly. And uh, there are a bunch of, like, log books and that sort of thing, uh, probably to indicate, like, you know, fuel consumption and things like that. Beneath the station is something that chills your blood. It's something you're very familiar with, Rocky. It's Declan's travel kit. And as you look at the uh, whatever's on the desk, you're sort of getting annoyed by that pencil rolling back and forth. And so you slam your hand down on it, and the coffee cup jiggles and tips over, unstuck from its ring of liquid. And on the bottom of the cup is a key. Well, if that isn't rather convenient... What? What'd you find? I can't see. Uh, I'm going to peel the key off of the bottom of the cup... And walk back over to where Roy is. So I found this key over at the desk. Oh, wow. Good. You looked over at the desk and you found what I said you might find? Whoa. I'm trying to think what this might be for. You know, It might be for that door I saw back up top there. Just You just wait here and I might come back for you later. <laughs> if you think I haven't spent more than a couple of days handcuffed to a pipe before, you're wrong. You, you grew up with Dad. Oh, trust you me, know. I heard plenty of what you've gotten up to. I mean, there's a reason you aren't allowed in the local strip club anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just one of them. Why don't you just unlock me? I'm going to walk over and I'm going to use the key to unlock the side of the handcuffs that isn't jammed with a piece of metal. It opens easily. And I'll do that handcuff meme where I'm like, ah, and I'll rub my wrist and be like, oh man, those handcuffs are off. And uh, for sure, Roy, you feel very strange. It feels like it's almost not your body. I'll immediately head for the light. Oh, towards the light. So I can try and like get a good view of my body. Uh, yeah, you can see it with uh, his flashlight even. And it appears that you're dressed in military-style boots and uh, dungarees. You're wearing a leather jacket. There's certainly not any clothes you would wear. I'm going to grab him by the shoulders real quick. Roy, I know this might sound strange, but who do I look like to you? And I'm going to kind of point the flashlight back at my face. And it's clearly Rocky. You look like Rocky? What do you mean? That's interesting. You see, I woke up in a a small cabin, now that I think of it. Come with me, and I'm going to pull him back towards the ladder. And uh, you two ascend the ladder. Very hastily pull him along back to the cabin. All right, and it's not too far of a trip, and he sort of stumbles behind you, and you arrive back at the cabin. Pull him into the room, hold him in front of the desk where the mirror is, and say, what do you see? And sure enough, Roy, you're looking at Declan. I'm going to need you to make a sanity roll. I failed. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you get, buddy. That's that's what you get. As you look closer and closer in the mirror at Declan's face, unbelievingly, you catch a glimpse of someone standing just a few feet behind you, and it's Raid. Tune in next time as we play another reel of the Lovecraft tapes. It's getting all Freaky Friday up in this I pitch. think it's just a normal day. Nothing really is special about I'm it. I'm stuck in Chris Brown's body.
Well, now it's time for some hashtag recommendos, so please roll D100. 30. 32. 34. Gabe, you'll go first. Start us off. Do you like Mario Kart, but you don't want to own a Switch because there's only like five games on Switch and the controllers will break your hands if you use them for like more than an hour? Well, Mario Kart's good and all, but what's way a hundred billion times better than Mario? A crash. And they just remastered the best kart racer ever made other than the Shrek one in Crash Team Racing. If you love Crash, which if you're a human, you ought to, you'll love Crash Team Racing because it ports in all the great characters, and it's similar in controls and style to Mario Kart. I mean, it is just a kart racer. However, it's much steeper difficulty, which is fun because I don't like coming in first place on everything but Rainbow Road like you do in Mario Kart. It's a lot of fun, and it's a more dynamic universe, in my opinion, even though it is smaller. And also, they do... I don't know if Mario Kart has implemented something like it, but currently they have a Grand Prix system where they're updating in events where you can win new characters and things like that, and there's weekly challenges and monthly challenges and things like that. So it's just a lot of fun, especially if you like kart racers, and it's across all platforms, which is a big bonus. So that's uh, Crash Team Racing Nitro Fuel, the remastered edition. Awesome. Thanks, Gabe. So next up is Brian. Mine is The Boys. I spent an entire weekend trying to talk Jeremy into watching this series. (laughs) It is a really cool spin on the superhero aspect. Basically, it's set in a world where there's superheroes everywhere, and you can be born a superhero, but your goal is to be one of the top six, which works for this company. This company basically owns the superheroes and covers them with lawyers and their press and their social media tracking. It's all about reputation and and what looks good. Kind of like the influencers that we have now, like YouTube and and all of that. Except there's a a dark side to the superheroes. They don't, don't always do the right thing. So when the wrong thing happens, it gets covered up by lawyers and contracts and and all that fun stuff. Well, there's a group of people that uh, have had enough, just regular old non-super people, and they are working their way to try to expose all of these superheroes. It is very adult. I would put it in the rated R range there. Very gory. Uh, And it's got some comedic aspects to it as well. So check out The Boys. I believe it's on Amazon. Yeah. So they they have a hit on their hands if they keep treating it the way they did with the first season. Episodes are roughly an hour long, and I think there's eight of them total in the first season. Uh, Okay, I'm going to recommendo this episode, a board game called Jaws. From Ravensburger, for two to four players, where one player is the shark, while the other player or players control Brody, Hooper, and Quint. Act one is a lot like Battleship, with the humans trying to locate and pin barrels on the shark, while the shark eats swimmers and uses special powers to evade the humans. And when I say special powers, I mean not like supernatural, just like move quickly from one thing, uh, move deeper so you can avoid the uh, fish finders and that sort of thing. Act 2 takes place on the Orca, with the humans trying to kill the shark using various weapons and equipment, while the shark tries to destroy the boat or eat the humans using special card-based abilities. And again, these are not exactly supernatural. They're just sort of allows him to be stronger and faster than he uh, ordinarily would be. This board game is easy to pick up. It has good suspense and variation in play. It is strategy, so it can change depending on who you're playing it with. It's very quick to play. The whole thing can last probably under an hour, easy. And what I like best about it is that it evokes the spirit of the movie perfectly. And you get that same sort of feeling as if you're watching the movie. It's kind of fun, playful, but scary and suspenseful. You want all the swimmers to live, and they're probably not going to. Uh, That's Jaws the board game. Uh, This was a Target exclusive. But you you might be able to pick it up in other marketplaces later. But I highly suggest you get it no matter how you can get it. All right, Matt, close us off. Well, tonight I'm excited to get back into the swing of recommendoing. Uh, so I have a video game for everyone. So way back in the early days of PC gaming, uh, there was a game called Theme Hospital that a lot of people have very fond memories of and that they loved. And it was, you know, a hospital simulator, but was more on the wacky side. And why it holds up to this day for some people, if you want something a little more modern, I'm going to go ahead and say 
uh, pick up a game called Two Point Hospital, which is more or less a, a spiritual success for, successor to Theme Hospital. Uh, same kind of mechanics. You start with like an empty building and you have to build out facilities and hire staff to kind of work this hospital and you have to, you know, be able to treat patients and diagnose them, but with the same kind of, of really silly vibe to it. Like, you know, you have diseases that you have to cure, like lightheadedness, where people come in where their their entire head is literally a light bulb. And so the treatment is, is they take them into a special room and they unscrew the light bulb from their head and then just drop a new head onto them and screw that in. And all the all the diseases are just really funny and really great takes on stuff. And while it has that fun element, it still is a serious management game. And it comes down to, you know, optimizing layouts and how do you get people from the doctor's office down to the room where they need to be treated and how do you keep people moving in and out and how do you make as much money as you can so you don't end up closing down. It's a really great game. It's not difficult to get into by any stretch, but you can kind of Go in-depth with it as you want. And they have put out a couple of DLC packs which add new diseases and new locations and stuff like that. And it's it's all worth picking up and playing because it's a, it's a really good time. Two-point hospital. It's available on Steam for only $35. All right. Well, that's going to be it for this episode of Lovecraft Tapes. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you download your regular podcasts. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Meanwhile, you can find us at thelovecrafttapes.com with links to all our hashtag recommendos and social media channels, including Facebook, Reddit, YouTube, and our Discord server where you can chat with us in real time. You can find me on Twitter at Lovecraft Tapes. And if anybody wants to get me in contact with Jamie Lee Curtis and or Lindsay Lohan so I can get a whole grasp on this Freaky Friday stuff, hit me up on Twitter at The Real Weird Kid. You can reach me on Twitter at Brian Podcasts. And you can reach Gabe at Lovecraft Gabe on Twitter. Until next time, roll four ball gags. Kinky. <laughs> The Lovecraft Tapes podcast is copyright 2019. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes. Hey, you. Yeah. Yeah, you. The one with the fucked up teeth. Yeah, that's me. I have fucked up teeth. Yeah, don't you just hate having bad teeth? Wouldn't you rather have bad skin instead? I got that too. I have actually both of it. Yeah, it says. Oh, okay. Well, we. What if I were to say that we found a way that we can fix your teeth at the low, low price of fucking up your skin further? Ooh, I like that. That seems like a two-in-one deal. Here at Big Dental Incorporated, we have manufactured a new product that will allow us to take think take patches of your skin mix it with chicken gizzards harden it overnight and place it in as new fresh white teeth but won't that make my stinky breath even stinkier use mouthwash stupid i can't afford mouthwash i've getting all my teeth whitened with chicken gizzards well then you're definitely inventing new products for us see we do listen to the customers well i'm stocking up now how much is a gross of that and when i say gross for every tooth that we do, it costs you the low, low price of four, four, forty-four. How much was it? I want some. It was just forty-four payments of twenty dollars. It's only twenty dollars. Nice. All right. Well, order now. The hell was that? And Cthulhu's here. <laughs>